Hey, y'all, and welcome to The Application, a podcast nestled nicely in the Enrollify Podcast Network. This is your guide, Corinne Myers, and I am so excited to share my love of high-grade Marcoms, student experience, and campus worlds. My friends at Rara were awesome enough to sponsor all of the insights and ideas I get to share with you over the course of the application's episodes. So let's get into it. My name is Stacy Rose. I'm the assistant director for student conduct, but my office has had three names in the time that I've worked there. <laughs> um, and so my day-to-day really varies. So primarily what I, I work with is our um, student conduct process or disciplinary process, but I also work with our mediation program our behavioral intervention team. So assessing student behaviors, right, for risk of different different things. And um, I also um, will work with Title IX related issues, um, which does require a separate layer of care and some kind of case management. So just kind of helping students with difficulties that they're having. Um, I also do some of our education around Title IX as like a side work thing. <laughs> Can you explain Title IX a little bit more in depth? Sure, of course. So Title IX is a um, landmark federal law that protects students against discrimination on the basis of sex, which currently that also includes gender in its definition. And so the way that you can see this play out is really in a few different ways. The first is with athletics. And so seeing that gender equity in athletics and sports that women and folks that are gender oppressed have equal access, right? And it's not just those that are cis male um, that have access to athletics and sports and all of the benefits of that. The other area where you see a lot of conversation around Title IX, particularly with the sex discrimination is around sexual harassment, sexual assault, stalking, dating, and domestic violence. And then finally, like the third area is with pregnant and parenting students um, and just making sure that they continue to have equal access to their education while they're pregnant, uh, childbirth, and then recovery. Wow, that's amazing. So thinking about, so I assume that all universities or institutions have someone like you at them is that accurate or no 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 (laughs) so like the the conduct stuff yes absolutely but i think some of the diversity of things that where i'm able to do um is more unique uh because the, the institution i work for is a younger institution so it's celebrating its 50th anniversary which is pretty young and i have a very odd work background in the sense that I've worked as a health educator, I do sexuality education, res life orientation, you know, I've worked in campus rec, and now student conduct. So the kind of culmination of all those things allows me a little bit more flexibility with the work that I do. That's very, that's very awesome. It feels like it should be a no duh kind of thing across institutions, but maybe not, right? So when you're, so like, I guess, describe, like, if I'm a student who has entered your office in some way, like, what does that process look like? So it depends on why you're coming to see me. Uh, So some of the students will come and meet with me because they have allegedly violated our code of conduct, right? And so our approach specifically, the way I like to approach all of that stuff is from a holistic wellness perspective and not punitive, right? It's This is supposed to be an educational experience. So I don't ever assume that the student is gonna come in and they're gonna understand how any of this works. 
or that they agree with why something has happened. My perspective always is because I come from more of a wellness background is that there's something that's imbalance right in their like when you look at their wellness dimensions for example and so you know maybe they're leaning too heavily on that that social dimension and they're they're hanging out and trying to please their peers too much and their that reward sensitivity is like gear in high gear um you know maybe they're they're not really flexing um some of their decision making skills and so just having conversations with them more so from that approach is is one of the reasons why they would be there and just making sure that they understand what's happening, right? This is a parallel process. We're both doing this. This is not me talking down to anybody. This is your college career and your experience. Um, if someone is having difficulty with another student, another employee, um, and they come to talk to me in that regard, it's, it's kind of a different situation because I'm trying to problem solve and figure out, okay, how can I best support you and what things do I have access to administratively to help keep you here at the institution? You know, whether that be providing supportive measures, which are um, things that we can implement like uh, no contact orders or banning people from campus um, to help them feel safe, uh, to referring them to other resources like counseling or the health center, something to make sure that they, they stay connected um, and they feel like this is a, a home for them. The other reason why we have folks come with us is if they've registered or been ranked on our, like when we do our behavioral intervention, we do a threat assessment of each student. And so just really looking and seeing, okay, what other interventions do we need um, based on the information that we have and the ranking that we've, we've given you, right? Because that's all superficial. It's just based on a report that we've given and someone else's narrative of what happened. So it's really important that you talk to that person and allow them that space to say, okay, here's what happened and listen to them and not just follow this guide like it's the Bible. <laughs> so it sounds like there's is it three different ways. It's like yeah. their, be their behavior, someone else's behavior that's affecting them mm -hmm. and or they maybe have, there's, there's indicators that they may have future issues, it sounds yeah. like. Yep. So as a student, how do I find out about these services? So obviously there's a student conduct. Everyone, it feels like most institutions have that. And I assume no one reads it. That's just kind of how it is, right? <laughs> so like, yeah. how do, as a student, how do, I, how do I know you exist? How do I know it's a thing? Yeah, so there's a couple ways. Um, I do participate in our orientation, which occurs over the summer. So the students hear a little blurb from me and what our office does, and they get to meet me. And I think that that's more important than maybe what I'm saying because having that even though it's a group setting just having that kind of one-on-one -on -one interaction with them and seeing like oh this lady's not a monster and then feeling like if I have a problem if I have a question I have a human being that I've met that it was nice to me and I she seems nice and I, I can go talk to her we also make sure that our website is pretty updated uh, we don't use social media because we've struggled to figure out what is exactly appropriate to put on it given the conduct part we tried doing things with memes and then someone thought our website got hacked and we said, no, we did that on purpose. So we had to kind of remove all of it. But it wasn't a hit for a while. Like other schools were like, how did you do this? Whose permission did you get? And we had it up for like a year before um, we got, you know, concerned about it and had to take it down. So we try, um, but we do try to go out to classrooms. Um, and then I also present at our welcome week. And so I organize a couple programs there. Uh, one is our Title IX 
uh, program for all of our new students. And the other is this like introduction to college life, but it's a like SNL style series of skits that this we have our, our resident assistants perform. And so constantly through that, we're reinforcing all of our different resources. It's up on the slides, the students are saying it as part of the cues that we give them. And so part of what I do is to try to fi find other ways to communicate and connect with them that it's not just like, here's this handout, right? Have a nice day, hope you graduate, like kind of thing. It's more so about building a human connection, right? Because with connection comes empathy, right? Which is something, you know, that you mentioned. And and with empathy, you feel an attachment, you feel a bond to something, and you're more likely if you feel connected to, you know, do better, ask for help, you know, all of these like more positive outcomes. Yeah, you mentioned communications. Um, do you have a communicator, like person or staff member dedicated to your office? Just me. I do most of our, so anytime, uh, so I'm like very um, chatty, right? And I will, like if someone needs a presenter from our office to come talk about what we do, um, if it's a training in the summer for some of our um, different student groups that come through early, I'm happy to be, you know, sent out to say, hello, everybody. You know, this is me. This is what we're doing. You know, if you have questions, here's where my office is. Like, I'd love to chat with you. Um, obviously, there are a lot of reasons I don't want to meet you and you don't want to meet me. But if you want to say hi, I'm always around. Got it. So are you under the division of like student life? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Got we're it. student affairs. I know like every school is different. So yeah, we're the division of student affairs. And so we're under there. And it's, you know, it's, I think for the students, we then get to participate in a lot of the student affairs activities, which hopefully takes down some of the barriers against our office. <laughs> the link between student engagement and student success is clear. The more actively engaged students are, the more likely they are to learn, stick up their studies through to graduation, and attain their academic goals. Most higher ed institutions understand that link now better than ever. And yet in the last year, graduation rates are down 6%, retention is down 15%, and co-curricular engagement is down from 59 to 57%. Students cite struggles finding the right resource at the right time to feel engaged on their own terms, as well as an increasing level of mental health challenges and anxiety as some of the biggest barriers to engagement. That's where RaRa comes in. RaRa Student Engagement and Success Technology makes it easier for your students to engage with information, services, resources, and tools they need every day than a single app. Whether it's booking time with their advisor, signing up for an event or club, or learning more about financial literacy as a college student, with RaRa there's no more searching around various websites, social media pages, or looking through email inboxes. It's all within the RaRa app. Even better, over time, the app will learn what is most relevant to your students and will push those resources first, similar to a Netflix experience. I actually downloaded RaRa on my phone myself and got to try it out. Super cool, great curated content, and a great way really to make it a one-stop shop. We all know higher ed websites tend to be monsters. Start making student experience the center of everything you do by visiting raralife.com slash application. That's raralife.com slash application. So I'm thinking about like a hierarchy and, and communications positions. Do you have a communicator in the student affair office that helps you with getting the word out? 
all of our marketing and communications, we do have someone who works with our, our university marketing relations folks. And so we have it more centralized in the sense that it kind of goes through one person in our division and then she works with that that um, department, Got it. you know, and works with them to develop things. Do you work with parents or, you know, caregivers, whoever the case may be, in like what capacity? Yeah, so parents in, in two different uh, fashions, right? So when there are conduct or behavioral issues, especially recently, like the parents have always been involved, but in the last um, two years with COVID, the kind of interactions we're having with parents have changed. Um, and so they'll often call because they want, they're concerned about their their student, right? It's their child. Um, and so they want more information, but because we have a lot of legal um, standing around us, there's not a lot of information I can share, right, without them signing waivers. And so it's really um, doing that delicate balance yeah, of how can I be sense. helpful without inciting, you know, because they're stressed out and you have to keep that perspective. Um, and then, as I mentioned, you know, with Title IX, we do work with students who are parents and navigating that experience. So with the students who are parents, um, so it's interesting because you're working with this broad spectrum of students. How do you adjust the way you approach your communication style across that spectrum of of students? It's an interesting question. I try to always use empathy with everything that I do. Um, I've tried really hard to make sure that I can, like I'm getting a good enough read and if I'm not sure, I'll just ask. You know, so I, because of one of the things I do is I teach a lot about consent. And so that's also part of my approach is always asking permission when I'm interacting with someone. So is it okay if I share this? I'm gonna ask you some questions and this is why I'm asking them. Here are some options. Please tell me what you're comfortable with. And so letting them lead me a little bit so that they feel like they have some control over what's going on, you know, even though there might be limitations to what we can do or what's available, but letting them know here are what the boundaries are. You tell me, you know, where you'd like to go next. Do you have a lot, like a volume of students? Like, how are you doing this by yourself, I guess? There's a couple other people in our office. I handle the, so I do have a large caseload. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I think that, (laughs) I think that it's, it's I've always it's the fault that many people that work in student affairs a student life and higher education have I think is that they care a lot about the students and so you just figure out a way to yeah. make it work you know and that's it and that's problematic I think it's a problem in the field too because you have that like over helping disease um <laughs> which runs rampant but Um, I think just learning how to disconnect, you know, when you can is really important to help maintain that balance so that you can give them 100%. Yeah. So I think going into some of this, you know, overworked kind of stuff. So you you manage, it sounds like, to maintain empathy and one-on-one connection with students while probably being overworked, which is most of higher ed, um, unfortunately. Um, So I'm, I'm wondering... There are, there's like this fear of 
automation, right? So we're talking about things you can automate in your life. So are, are there are there instances in your day-to-day work where things are automated that kind of take those that work off your plate, where you can then focus on the relationship building with students? Yeah, so during COVID, that was something that we really focused on a lot because all of our operations had to adjust. We had a lot of things that we were doing over paper and scanning in and doing all sorts of like you know, this is like 1975, like, what are we doing? Um, But realistically, we have all of these, like, tech and digital means to do things differently. And so that's actually allowed us to streamline the way we do a lot of our meetings, especially because, um, you know, right now they're over Zoom. So it's easy for us to cut down on a lot of that administrative work that we were doing before, which, like, literally now went from, you know, me doing it once at the end of the week and it taking like hours to it taking like oh, seconds. Nice. And that has, do you feel like, so COVID sounds like it's accelerated your kind of coming into this digital transformation. Mm-hmm. How much work do you think has gone away because of the automation? You said hours a week. Is that, is that? Uh, yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like hours a week. I mean, it was, we, we, we have to maintain our records really clearly and very meticulously. And so that's what takes a long time. So finding ways to automate that and make it more digital instead of this paper thing, you know, everything has to be signed and have dates. And so what are different ways that we can do that where it's just done? And so using the tools we have, using the database we have and really thinking about it differently, um, the students understand that better too, which is what is so obvious but we just didn't see it you know they're like duh like you just you click it on the computer you just hit submit and they just send it and then we just add it in and meanwhile before we're like printing stuff and they're like having a handwrite and whatever and this is like no big deal to them but for us it was like whoa this is so cool (laughs) they're completely so it it mean like talking about the student experience. And so this is, if they're in your office, it's probably a pretty stressful situation to begin with. And so thinking about like little things like not having to handwrite into forms and be able to do it online, it might be like a, just one less thing they got to worry about. And maybe, you know, you didn't Mm -hmm. think about it as a student experience thing, but as a way to save time. But now it's like, oh my gosh, this just small change is a student experience mm-hmm. change that makes a difference in their lives. And obviously it helps you out as well. Yeah, it's been amazing. Like, I just, I love it. And I love that they're so into it uh, and their response back from them. And then everyone else in the office is like, like, why were we so dumb? <laughs> you just don't know what you don't know, right? You just don't know. And then COVID yeah. like has forced leadership to be like, oh yeah, we got to do this. And then suddenly it's a priority. So I, I what, yeah. do you know what tech you're yeah. using like what's it called or what you're yeah so we we use zoom and so zoom is really cool because it has this remote control option so you can give if the student has um like most computers will accommodate it but you can give them access to your screen and so we can complete a form oh, wow. together like live on zoom and it's it's great because they can log in with their um like credentials you know for our system and so then they're just logged in and so everything it has their name attached to it everything's time stamped and so we use the maxient database for all of our conduct our case management our behavioral intervention team uh 
uh, the academic side of the house uses it as well. And so they have this forms feature that traditionally, you know, you would have just thought, okay, they're submitting instant reports. It's just to receive information, but you can input information into it too. And it just like, because it's from the system, it links into it perfectly um, instead of using another tool. So we've just kind of rethought about the things that we do have and, you know, using it differently. And like I said, the students just like, they, they like love it. Hey all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcast.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcast.enrollify.org. So in terms of like student outcomes, so like if a student comes to your office, I guess like what what is a good story? Like what is it what happens if things go well in your office with you that and you're walking alongside, let's say, a conduct issue? Like what happens at the end and what happens then going forward? A good outcome is that the student feels like they were heard and that they had a fair process. I think that uh, conduct especially is an area that's really easy to abuse because, you know, maybe the student's problematic or maybe, you know, we're being hypervigilant about certain things. Uh, maybe we're not applying things in an equitable manner, but if you're able to do everything really fairly consistently and be really transparent about everything, um, and position yourself more as a resource and a neutral facilitator of the process versus um, more of a like competitive combative role, it really changes everything between you and the student once you frame it from that lens versus like you're like naughty and you've like ruined your whole life and you're worthless. Like just, you know, a lot of them come in thinking that that's what I'm going to say to them. And then they come in my office and they see I have like toys all over my desk and I'm, you know, just whatever, like walking around my socks or whatever <laughs> I'm doing. Like they, they're like, what? Right. Totally caught off guard. Um, and that's by design because I don't want them to feel like I'm better than them or I have any power over them or I'm superior to them because, you know, they pay me to be here. Um, it's, we're going through this process together. And so if you leave feeling like I, like I, I heard you and I listened to you and it helped you, all's good. The outcome doesn't matter. And I'm very honest with them about that. Like I'm not seeking an outcome where they're responsible. I'm just seeking that there's information, right? That's shared and decisions made and everyone was able to participate in an equitable fashion. I would imagine the expectations going into an experience with you would be you know, like you mentioned, like they're afraid, they're, they don't know what's going to happen, they're concerned, mm -hmm. and suddenly you've like, you've taken that expectation and completely turned it on its head. And now they have this experience where they feel heard and seen and they feel like their, their, their issues are resolved. And now that becomes, not only are they now an advocate for your office, they're telling their, their other, their other students and their friends about potentially if they have an issue, they can come to your office. 
Mm-hmm. But also, they're probably more likely to be able to then the next, hopefully, interaction that's positive is, uh, you know, the expectations are less stressed and it's uh, you feel like a, a resource. Mm-hmm. So that's that's amazing. That's like a, the human experience flow to the T you did, essentially, to get back into like this, this student now feels like they can be an advocate. They have higher expectations, better expectations, um, which is hard to do. Um, so that's awesome. That's a really cool way of framing it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, there's a lot of science behind it. Um, and I've been kind of obsessing about student experience lately and that you like, seriously, like you like walked through the flow without even knowing you walked through the flow. No idea. Yeah. That's usually just my life in general. It's like a, just a coincidence <laughs> all day. So Looking at this resource that you are on campus, what ways do you feel like you could communicate what you do better or more proactively? Are there ways you wish or things you wish you had to better communicate these services and resources? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, sometimes we, I, there's always the issue of, of time and time management and resources, right? So if you take that part out of it, because that's always gonna be there, um, I think if there's there's ways for us to take what we do in our office and show who we are as like human beings and kind of take that wall down instead of just in those small pockets where we're invited to go and participate in something and they, they happen to be there, is to just be able to have a more broad reach with all of the students um, and be able to kind of interact with them and do, do more things. Because it's hard, you know, when you think about like programming, for example, for a conduct office, you're like, well, what does that, like, what could that even look like? Um, or what does, you know, advertising look like or communication or, or, or whatever. And so we really lean more on social norming campaigns um, and then different ways of doing education. Um, because like I worked as a health educator for years, it's something that's like a reflex for me. So you know, us presenting all of our student behavioral expectations through a series of skits is 100% just me thinking differently about how we do things. Or, um, you know, when we're doing like our, uh, during Sexual Assault Awareness Month, which is in April, you know, doing a mock hearing and letting our audience be our panel and making sure that they understand, like, what are the limitations of that? What are the things that you're allowed to do and you're not allowed to do and just pulling that curtain back? so that they can see, so it's not this like um, really scary or hidden experience. Just be transparent. But yeah, I wish we, I don't know, I wish we could just like project ourselves out into the universe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting you mentioning like being, you're, you are the communicator, which is something I find really interesting and almost refreshing in higher ed is almost everybody is a communicator and it's it's by it's default right because a lot of these programs and departments and and offices don't have a dedicated communicator or marketer to them they don't have the the funding or resources or time to really dedicate to this mm-hmm. but you are communicating you are going out and presenting um, at various touch points along the student journey and that that's what it is you are you are marketing that's that's the definition of marketing and so i find it interesting um like you being in in health what specific area 
Um, so I just did overall health and wellness. I worked with peer educators and then uh, I also did employee wellness, which was super interesting. So, um, and then late night, pro late night alternative programming. So those were kind of the three different areas. And then I also taught um, wellness courses as part oh, nice. of nice. And this is all in higher ed. Nice. Yep. Yep. I actually <laughs> want to get into the health and wellness. So obviously student conduct um, and the things you're doing today are all part of that student wellness kind of sphere or what you called it something wellness dimensions, dimensions of, wellness. of wellness. There you go. You, so you yeah. obviously have, yeah. I'm assuming a graphic of dimensions of wellness somewhere that you're using. Okay. Awesome. That obviously is part of the wellness portion. So getting into what you did before with the mental health and wellness Describe to me a little bit what that looked like. Yeah, so that, I did that so at a couple different um, institutions and it's really interesting because it's entrenched in wellness and health education. Uh, both positions were positioned under campus recreation, which at the time was, and still is a little bit more of an innovative way to look at wellness. Uh, typically you'll see like sometimes that wellness area um, housed with the health center or counseling um, but we were at both institutions with campus rec which was interesting because it gave us the access to a lot of more resources to be completely interesting um, they have more money more humans um, facilities it just made everything a lot easier um, but so I worked with our peer educators, so training them, developing new programs, presenting uh, late night alternative programs. Uh, both campuses I worked at had like a lot of high risk alcohol behaviors that were going on. And so that late night alternative program was programs were a way to respond to that and combat some of that behavior and give them other things to do. Um, and then the teaching component, which was always really fun. So we were training new peer educators. Um, predominantly through one of the, the courses and then the other one was a required like first year course so instead of the traditional like intro to your school um, this was a mandatory wellness course that all of the students had to take at the um, second institution so peer educators I assume are students that you're training so what is yep. the port why students why would you train students to do this Yes, that's a that's a great question. So peer educators are other students, primarily undergraduate students, but certainly not limited to that, who have an interest in health and wellness. Some of them have their, their topic areas. And what we find is that, especially with the traditional college-age students, is that they're very sensitive to their peers, right? And this, this perception of rewards from peers. And so when you do research, you find that having your peers tell you something or teach you something has a much different impact than like the old lady rolling around on campus. Um, I'm pointing at myself just to be you... clear. Because <laughs> I realize this is like audio. Um, I'm not referring to anyone but myself. But like that in like in all seriousness, because regardless of how nice I, I am and how empathetic and kind, whatever, all those things that I, I genuinely do with the students, I'm still in a position of power, right? And that still creates this imbalance as much as we try to balance it. And so with your peers, it's a completely different approach. And their perception of things is so different than mine because they're living it and they're experiencing it. And so the examples they give, um, the way that they approach topics is a lot different than I would. So 
when I'm training paraeducators, and I also do this with my campus hearing board um, student panelists, is really saying, here's the function of what I need you to do, but make it your own. Interesting. You know, when we apply the exact same logic you just said to student-generated content and student content in marketing, right? Because we know that students want to see students. They want to see themselves in marketing materials. They don't want to see the president speaking to a camera. They just don't. And so you've like, you just said the science behind it, but like we, that's what we use every day in the marketing. But even though we know higher ed kind of clutches on to that traditional marketing, <laughs> um, we know students yes. want to see themselves and they want to see their own students. I guess so you mentioned first year students typically do well with peer mentors. Are you seeing that with adult learn? Uh, they're all adults, but like the, the students coming back to college or the ones that are not necessarily from out of high school? Yeah, so yes, I think so for them, they do like having their own like community or resource, especially with other people that understand like the experience that they're going through that, hey, I have a family or hey, I'm working or hey, I have these other things and I've had all these life experiences. Uh, some of the feedback I get from them sometimes is, you know, they just, they don't understand the traditional age college students versus what the adult learners are experiencing. And so with them having that ability to connect, so we have Facebook groups for them to connect through. We have a separate orientation. Um, so they're not going through the same experience. They can opt to, obviously the option's there, um, but we do try to recognize that they have a, a separate and unique experience and they, they need to have access to each other um, because they're gonna relate to each other differently than um, the traditional age college student. You know, it's like, um, I don't know. It's like it's like anything that bonds people together when you see people that are in some kind of like trauma event, right? Like they're instantly bonded, even though maybe they only knew each other for like five minutes before that. It's just this connection because they have this shared experience. And so it's the same thought process with those um, adult learners. Interesting. Students. Do, so you facilitate communities essentially for them. Yes. Are you facilitating more than just a Facebook group? Is it outside like in-person stuff as well? So that's the intention. Um, most of this stuff has been cultivated during COVID. And so it's really been challenging to do anything in person because they have um, an extra layer of concern because they have usually have children that they're having to deal with or watch or take care of. And so they're, they're not really venturing out. So our our online communities has been a way to do it. And then also having, you know, some like virtual sessions for them to attend things like yoga or whatever, so that they can um, have access, you know, to resources and stress relieving activities on campus without having to, um, you know, ignore the responsibilities that they that makes have. Sense. Um, okay, this was amazing. Is there anything that you want to say or talk about that I didn't ask? I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. That's an interesting <laughs> question. <laughs> I'm like the worst person to ask that to because I will literally talk about anything. Um, so that is my de defining character. It's probably, you're probably in a really good position then, huh? <laughs> so, yeah, that's why they just like let me wander around and talk to <laughs> That's awesome. Coming from like somebody who's like, you know, like, like people, like I admire that. 
<laughs> you need both sides of it, though, because you can't, like, the other folks in my office who are more um, not quite as willing to be, um, you know, loaned out. Um, it's nice because you do need other people to continue <laughs> working in the office while I'm just, like, wandering around, um, you know, presenting to people about, what you know, whatever yeah, I'm doing that totally. day. Okay, well, I think I got all my questions answered. I was delightfully surprised. My expectations um, were also different, and now I'm... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm delightfully surprised, so. Oh, good. I'm so happy. I like to, <laughs> subverting people's expectations yes, is my number just one. write that somewhere on a wall, I guess, or something. <laughs> That's a wrap for this episode. Please rate and subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. And remember, a better student experience is always the answer. Hey, all Zach from Enrollify here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Application with Corinne Myers. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month. and We've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.